Welcome to the Business Intuition Podcast, the place where you can learn to trust your intuition to make business decisions without having to meditate for hours, wear crystals, or give up on coffee or wine. You don't have to leave your IQ at the door. Embrace intuitive intelligence to create a business that lights you up and finally experience the success that you deserve. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of the Intuitive Business uh, Revolution in Business. Sorry, I am here for a book review today. Um, I just want to start this episode by explaining that I have COVID and I have had COVID for the past two weeks. So it was actually um, uh, really good that last year, uh, last week's episode was pre-recorded. But you might hear this week that I have a bit of a different voice and I might be coughing occasionally. Um, so apologies for that. I hope that the episode is still going to be enjoyable for you. I'm actually super excited to be back um, in the saddle, uh, albeit uh, <laughs> with a bit of coughing. So um, this week we are reviewing a book by Denise Duffield Thomas, uh, you might have heard of her. She is uh, a woman who specializes in money blocks. And even though her biggest bestseller was um, Get Rich Lucky Bitch, which I do recommend. In this um, podcast, I will review her. I think it's her third book called Chillpreneur. Uh, because, of course, it's directly linked to uh, the topic of our podcast because it's linked to business. So um, I want to start off by saying there are so many different ways to build a business. And I think what I love about Denise is that she shows us that it's no longer needed to work around the clock for the first two years of your business in order to make money. That used to be the myth. That used to be the rite of passage. Everybody who would start off their own business knew that they had to work around the clock for the first two years, almost killing themselves in the process until their business finally took off. This is no longer the case thanks to the advent of the internet, of all sorts of platforms that have been developed in the past, I would say seven to eight years, it's never been easier to start your own business. And so there is a range actually of ways to start your business that go all from the hustle that I just talked about, you know, working, you know, 12 hours a day for the first two years, Two, on the other end of the spectrum, the Childpreneur model, which is um, promoted by Denise, but also by other authors like Tim Ferriss. He wrote The 4-Hour Week, and that's actually a book that I read um, before I took my business online, and that really inspired me. So this is possible. This is absolutely possible, and Denise's book is uh, is there to show you how. Now it's structured in four parts. The first part is the mindset, super important. I don't know if you've ever heard it, but success on the online business is 50% mindset. Uh, the part, part two of her book is about business models. And that, I find that's a really um, useful part of the book. Part three is about money. And of course, this is where 
um, Denise um, shines the most because she knows how to talk about money. She does tackle the difficult conversations and makes them less scary. And I just love her really chilled style. I mean, she's not Australian for nothing. There's some uh, nonchalance that comes through the book, but not to be mistaken for, um, you know, um, not being professional. She is incredibly professional. And part four is marketing. So let's go through um, all these parts one at a time. Her entire book talks about what is called a lifestyle business. Lifestyle businesses are businesses that are built by their owners around a lifestyle that they wish to create. So I am typically a lifestyle business owner in the sense that when I started my business 10 years ago, maybe a little bit longer than now, um, it was built around the needs to be there for my children because when I started off, um, when I sorry, when I started having kids and moved to the UK, became a single mum, um, it became increasingly difficult for me to be there for my children the way I wanted to be as a mum. First of all, because I live in the village and there was only an after school club four days a week instead of five. So on Fridays, I had no idea how to cope with anything after 3 p.m. in the office, which was, of course, um, incompatible with my working hours. I didn't have any family around, et cetera, et cetera. So it became quite apparent quite quickly that I was going to have to change things. Um, and then, of course, I was made redundant, but that's another story. Now, of course, since the pandemic, things have changed a little bit because so many people allow, um, so many businesses allow their employees to work from home. So I guess that's that's a bit different. And maybe what is what the situation is for you is that you want to create a side business, a side of hustle as they call them, I don't like the word, so that you can in time leave your um, your full-time uh, or, or your, your job. Um, so what you want to do to start with, and that's what Denise invites you to do at the start of the book, is to decide how many hours you want to work, uh, whether you want to be local uh, location independent, and why you're doing this. For me, I wanted to be a better parent, but for some people it's because they want to be able to work from anywhere in the world and they love traveling and um, they want to have a location independent business, right? What she also explains, and it is something that I've, I think I've mentioned before on this podcast is that it's, it's no longer required to have upfront capital to be an entrepreneur, especially if you're the, in the service industry. So she starts off the book by giving us, just before she starts part one, with the definition of what she calls a chillpreneur. And for her, it runs through seven principles. The first one is that you believe in a benevolent universe for everyone. And I really like that. The second, you embrace your humanity. That means you embrace your imperfections as well. Really good. Three, you practice optimism. Four, you are... You care, but you are detached from the outcome. Five, you aren't dogmatic. Six, you follow the path of least resistance. And seven, you're driven by a desire to do good in the world. I don't know about you, but I think for me, it's very um, it's very inviting to want to uh, be a chillpreneur with her kind of definition. And it certainly fits me. Right, let's start with part one on the mindset. Um, 
So what she says is that mindset is the one thing that helped her to create a multi-million dollar business without taking outside investment and without working her guts out. And let's let's be clear, nobody wants to burn out, especially in business, because once you burn out, it takes a long time to get back on your feet. It can take up to two to three years once you get to that point. So you've got to be really, really careful. And she said, she says very clearly that, yes, you need a product and services and you need to market it. That's the two basic things. But without mindset, you will fall apart. Um, and you will fall apart in, in circumstances that are completely normal in business. For example, your first refund, your first troll, a one-star review on Amazon or a bad launch. And I have to say, I've been through all of these and I completely agree with her. I know that I had my first refund from a lady who accused me when I was making uh, healing dolls to have sold to her a doll that had or that was not um, new. And that was not true. Um, I was making these dolls by hand and they had some faults because they were made by hand, especially the, the face. It was made with a, a special cloth that had imperfections. But most, like almost all my other clients absolutely loved that. And this woman decided that this was, that I had uh, not been honest with her and that I had um, sold her um, a doll that wasn't new. Um, I was devastated. And had I not known how to do mindset work, I would have probably packed my business at that point. Now, of course, I don't sell these dolls anymore. So I have changed my business. But the reason I have changed is not because of that. It's because it wasn't actually that lucrative to make them, considering that I would take up to 10 hours to make these dolls. And you can imagine that if after that, I had a client just tell me that they weren't actually new. Um, that really was um, discouraging. So all these things will happen. You will have a first troll. This is something that used to actually scare me from posting anything controversial on, on social media. And that's not a good thing because you want to be controversial in the sense that you want to say things that stand out, that will resonate with some people and not with others. So if you believe that you have to be a certain way, it's super damaging for you and your business, okay? You need to see that there's room for everyone. You don't have to be the best, but you have to choose to be yourself, right? One of the things that Denise says that has st stuck with me over the years that I really, really love is that she says you don't need to be a guru. You don't need to know everything. All you need to know is a little bit more than your ideal client. You are a contributor, not a guru, okay? And what you know at this stage is enough. Um, and, and another thing that you need to understand, and it is about mindset as well, is that you will never feel ready enough, okay? So um, it's important to understand this so that when it crops up, you don't give up. Now, she has quite a few mindset exercises peppered through her first chapter, just as she has, um, you know, exercises in part two, three and four. And I've decided to kind of list them right here so I don't have to go through them as, as we go along. The first uh, one, which is on page 11, is called Why Not Me? Page 21, she talks about what, what are you really afraid of? 
Page 32, she talks about identifying your money blocks, which is super important. Page 47, identify your strengths and weaknesses. And page 51, what does a rich woman look like? And I think this is one of my favorite exercises because she often says that people don't expect her to be as rich as she is because she still wears the same uh, jeans and the same kind of clothes. She hasn't changed her lifestyle since she's become a millionaire. And quite a few of the women that I follow that have become a millionaire um, um, explain the same thing, that they don't look like a millionaire. So in effect, um, a rich person looks like you. You don't have to look any different from today. You can still be you. She also said that what scares you today won't scare you tomorrow. And that is so true. I will repeat this at the end of the book review, but I used to be so scared of sales. I would never post um, a sales post or I would never ask for the sale at the end of a blog post or a post on social media, et cetera, et cetera. Now I do it without even thinking about it twice. I'm no longer scared of trolls. I'm no longer scared of refunds, although I have a re no refund policy. So um, it's important. She also talks about fear of failure. And I'm really excited about this because I've actually uh, submitted an entire article about fear of failure to Authority Magazine that's going to be published very, very soon. So um, come and uh, follow me on social media or sign up for my newsletter. Uh, I will have a link um, in the show notes uh, so that you can sign up so that you don't miss out um on um on this article when it comes out um so so hang on i'm just making a quick note um to remember to share the link to sign up for my newsletter in in the description box sorry of the of the episode i don't do show notes um, I just have a list of all my, my episodes on my website, uh, theintuitiverevolution.co.uk forward slash podcast. So she says, you will fail, you will make mistakes, and you just have to accept that. You know, you will send out a newsletter that has typos in it, and that's okay, right? We just need to understand that people don't buy from perfect people. People will understand, and if they don't, then they're not your people. She also talks, also talks about imposter syndrome, which actually 80% uh, of people suffer from, which is amazing. Um, in particular, and I remember her mentioning that in um, Get Rich Lucky Beach as well, Meryl Streep, um, when she was off, uh, given her sixth or seventh Oscar, was still saying to people, um, that she thought she was a fraud, okay? Fear of criticism, that's so common. Limiting beliefs, all these, if you don't work on these, they will trip you up at one point, okay? Now, in this chapter, Denise lists a couple of um, the three top limiting beliefs that people have. I find that really, really helpful. The first one, is that you have to work really hard to make money. And she gives the symptoms, the signs that you have this belief that is um, you know, uh, uh, um, affecting you. You reinvent the wheel or overcomplicate, you procrastinate, you get bored when it works, so you, 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 you break it and start all over again. You resist delegating. 
If it's too easy, it's cheating. I can recognize myself completely in this first limiting belief, or at least my younger self. Second, you can either help people or make money. That was also something that I believed, especially because I started my business as a healer. And in the healing, um, I'm going to say industry, there are so many mindset blocks and so many blocks around money. So what you do is you criticize people who, who charge high fees. You feel bad when people can't afford you or you feel guilty about making money. These are all limiting beliefs. And you judge people who make a lot of money. I used to do all of these and I don't anymore. So it's possible to go past. And number three, if you have more money, you have more problems. And the symptoms are money comes with more responsibility. I'd rather be happy than rich. Being ambitious is selfish. And also being afraid to emasculate your partner or husband if they don't make as much money as you do. Then she moves on to the millionaire mindset. And for her, it, it, um, it goes through, let me check. Uh, four main um, points. First, there's always more money. And this is actually now a mantra that I have on my phone. Three times a day, I have reminders to remind me that there's always more money because sometimes I forget. Sometimes I think, oh, I got these new uh, two, three VIPs into my, and then I think there'll never be any more VIPs again, which is ridiculous. Um, there are easier ways to make money. I also agree with her, but I used to work so hard for my money because um, when I was rich and I still haven't gone back to the income I had when I was a lawyer, I had to work so hard, uh, sometimes up to 12 hours a day. Sometimes I had to work weekends. I don't want that lifestyle anymore. Number three, know yourself and prosper. Understand how and why you sabotage yourself and discover what kind of work is fun and easy for you. Uh, and then the fourth is, of course, what I mentioned earlier is to what does a wealthy woman look like? And she says she looks like you. OK, All right. So that was part one. Part two was about business models. So what is a business model is how you do things in your business your product and services, your target market, your marketing, and your systems and teams. And she talks about the different um, types of business models. There's the maker model, when you make clothing, art, or toys. There's the service model, maybe you offer graphic design or planning. There's a consultant model, which is a high touch, a hard to medium touch, when you don't actually do the work, but you um, offer processes and expertise and tools. That's more my model. There's the teacher model where it's low to medium touch and you do more like online courses. And you can mix and match all these models. So what you need to do is really to find out what makes you tick. Do you like, for example, creating all the time, in which case a membership model would be ideal for you? Do you like deep and meaningful relationship, in which case the consultant mastermind model is best? That's actually more my type. I really like deep and meaningful relationships. Um, do you like to create relationships amongst other people, in which case you would be great to create challenges, events, summits, etc. 
do you like to share what you know, but you don't want to be responsible for the results? In that case, your best option is to do public speaking. Or do you like working with high achievers, in which case you can create VIP days or business retreats? So can you see how all these different things can combine? You can mix and match and you can do exactly what you want to create something that suits you and, and your taste. You don't have to do things that you don't like to do. Denise, for example, explains again and again that she doesn't like client contact. Um, so she is uh, running a business that's almost exclusively based on her money bootcamp, uh, where it's actually quite low touch because a lot of the work is done by the community. So she offers the training. She's there in the group loosely. I think she has coaches as well now that support people, but it's more like about the community and the basic um, knowledge that she shares. So she also gives you a, a warning about what can happen if, um, if you push yourself too hard. So she talks about burnout, which is super important in the entrepreneur, entrepreneurial world because it's something that happens a lot and there's three we three ways that you can burn out really fast one is it's insisting on perfection um two is to work harder when things don't work and three is um working when you need to quit you know you need to know when you need to kill your darlings as she says and i had to do this myself um i had to kill my um a whole area of my business where I supported women losing weight without dieting or uh, doing strenuous exercise. And that's something I had to do. Um, I think it was a couple of years ago. It was very difficult because it was one of my darlings, but I knew that it was no longer part of my strategy and my business. So she also um, talks about her dumbest mistakes one was to make physical products. The second one was to make an app. And the reason she explains this is that there's always about a 3% customer service rule uh, of people who need extra help. So the cheaper your product, um, the more you need clients to meet your targets, the more you're going to have these, uh, this 3% going to be more people that you need to, to help along the way. And that can really kill your productivity and uh, your profitability. So she gives us five essentials. Uh, one is to get clear on your income goal. Uh, and it has to be precise. It can't be to make more money. It can be, for example, to make money than last year, or it could be to make enough money to quit your day job, or it could be enough money to support your lifestyle. But you have to set a money or an income goal and that it's important to make the difference between revenues and profit number two decide how you would like to work you know set how many hours and how much in human interaction the third essential is to create passive sources of income and the the she makes a complete list of the kind of passive income sources that you can have royalties from book income from online course sponsorship revenues affiliate marketing mobile app licensing fees or drop shipping but she does warn us and i think this is really important that the resistance to passive income is real so we go back to the mindset part that we did in part one it's really important to work on your mindset and then 
Number four is to build a support team. Um, and outsourcing as, as quickly as you can. And five is having a home life that helps to support you to thrive in your business. So she gave some example of how important it is to have more time, for example, and maybe hire someone to help you at home so that you have more money for your business, more time for your business, sorry. And of course, the reason she says that is because the vast majority of her clients are women and women usually have to, to juggle both more than men, at least at this stage in um, in the history of business and and um, in, in, in um, the Western world. Right. Part three, she talks about money and this is her zone of genius. She first states the biggest pricing mistakes that you make. The first one is pricing by committee. It's actually it's literally asking the internet how much you should be um, uh, pricing. Uh, number two is to undercharge or over deliver. Number three is to working for free for too long. Number four is to take you're too expensive personally when someone says that to you. So then she goes through several things that um, she wants to help you um, with with regards to money in your business. So she talks about how to increase your prices without losing clients. And I need to say, I have one of the, one of my clients, which is um, really remarkable. She's been with me, I will say for well over five years. And when I started off, I used to, to charge only 40 pounds an hour and I charge 300 pounds an hour and she's still there. Honestly, she is amazing. And I know she she will know who she is when she listens to this to this podcast because I only have one of these clients. So don't be afraid when you need to increase your prices, the clients that really value what you do. And of course, I've evolved in these five years. So what I offered back then was probably worth more than the £40 an hour I was charging. But, um, you know, I increased my prices steadily um, and I've had some people help me along the way. So um, maybe I'll do a special special episode about pricing at some point on the, on the podcast. I don't know. Maybe pricing intuitively. That would be a really fun one. So Warren Buffett apparently said, price is what you pay. Value is what you get. So if you want more money, there's only two ways. You can either work more or charge more. So she will help you in her book to spot the signs that you need to increase your prices so that's a really valuable thing as well she also has some tips on how to announce your new prices uh, how to increase price for existing clients how to transition free people into paying clients how to increase price for a new client or for a course and how to have awkward money conversations she gives tons of little scripts within the book for all sorts of different situations so that is just the best she also says and it's true that people will make unreasonable requests all the time so you have to set your boundaries you have to be comfortable saying no you have to um you know practice clarity and maybe even have a, a bank of canned responses you know ready-made responses she has a script for introduction of a better pricing you know the price that you offer when you do something for the first time 
And she actually says that she prefers if you say that it's a special introductory price because better pricing has a negative connotation. Um, she talks about her views of the pay what you want promo. And I actually, I remember when my first business mentor promoted this approach, pay what you want. I tried it out and I didn't, it didn't feel right for me. So again, it's something that you need to test and try. Try something. It might not feel right for you, even if someone else um, says it's a good strategy, okay? You always should be doing what feels right to you. Denise has some very, very strong um, opinions about bartering and the barter trap. And I agree with her to a certain extent because very often people who barter do that to avoid the money discussions to avoid um you know asking for uh for the money and that's not a good idea um she talks about family and friend discounts she talks about refunds and how to handle them um so there's some really really good and of course she would do that because that's her forte she is a money coach she has some really, really good um, information in her book about all this money, uh, money talk and money issues. Part four is about marketing. And her marketing strategy is very simple. And I agree with her. You can add a lot of, um, you know, elements to it. But basically, it's about sharing what you know, your knowledge, your expertise, your advice, your tips, your experience, your stories, your mistakes, your successes, and then offer a solution and you make an offer, okay? She really goes on about the 1% conversion rule. And I think she's right to do that. You need to understand that not everybody's going to buy and that, uh, from a pure sales page, only between 1% and 2% of people will purchase, um, and that's normal. That's an average. Now, it will, of course, be different if people go onto your landing page after doing a five-day challenge with you. Then the rates are probably going to be a lot higher than that because you will have built the know, like, and trust with that person. But for a cold audience, only 1%. So, it is a numbers game and you need to get as many people's eyes onto what you do um, over time. And this is the subject of another book or another podcast, but you need to extend your reach, which can be done in several different ways. Um, but if you know that with a sales page, because I used to want to have just a sales page and for people to just go there and buy, but I, I didn't know that the conversion rate was so small compared to a 25 to 75% success rate on the phone. Can you see the difference? If you pluck up the courage to talk to your ideal client, you have 75 more chances of selling your product than if you just have a sales page. I want you to kind of let that sink in. It's super, super important. She also says, and I really like that because this is something that um, I wasn't too aware of is that growing too fast can be a lot of trouble. Okay. Uh, you want slow and steady, even if it might frustrate you some days uh, at the start of your business, you don't have the systems or the staff or the, 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 um, 
even the business to cope with a high demand. And she talks about the example of someone whose journal went from selling, um, and I can't remember if it was a 5,000 copies a year to a thousand a day. And, and this woman nearly collapsed uh, uh, under the weight of, of this success. And this happened after a particularly successful Kickstarter. So just build things slowly and take things in, in your stride. So she also talks about the fact that in marketing, you have to charm your clients. It's a bit like internet dating. You don't just go straight and say, hey, do you want to come and, uh, you know, come in uh, at home and, and go and have sex with someone on the first date? You have to get to know them and you have to um, be proactive and not be scared of rejection and all these sort of things. So um, sorry, I had to cough. Um, she talks also about the unsubscribes uh, when you start writing a new newsletter. And that's also very important to know that there will always be people who unsubscribe or people who subscribe to your newsletter and won't even remember that they were the ones who subscribed. And then they're angry at you for sending the newsletter out, especially if you have sales in it. Um, so she talks about pre-screening and how important that is. And I'm not going to go into the detail, but you'll have some more information in the book. She talks about um, how important it is to show up, to be seen and to be heard and to be consistent. That's much more important than to be perfect. And approach uh, people with the mentality that they want to hear from you. Now, I used to post an offer once at the very start of my online journey, and I have to feel um, you know, some sort of um, endearment for my younger self, because I thought if I post one and no one eat, no one buys, then that means they don't want it. And that is so, um, it, it's so untrue. People need to see you post at least seven times. That was in the time before social media. Now it's probably 30 times before they will actually want to buy from you or want to hear more from you so that's why it's so important to be consistent and to post again and again even if you feel that you're repeating yourself constantly the people who matter won't mind and the people who mind won't matter okay so she gives us some tips for creating content um the basics how to be useful how to be inspirational um how important it is to be real and not to be afraid to give away your best secrets because, and she doesn't say that exactly as, as, as that, like that in the book, but information alone means nothing. It's the implementation uh, and how you're going to support your clients to actually put it into action that matters. So you can share your best secrets because your clients might not be able to do anything with it. They might still need the help. Okay. So what is the best marketing tool? That's one of the questions she asks in the book. And her conclusion is that there is no one single way. You have to choose the one that's the most comfortable and enjoyable strategy for you. So for example, I used to hate video, but I'm really comfortable with video now. So I really like to go live and have a chat with people and just chat away. 
but that might be the possibly the worst idea for you. You might you might prefer to write blog posts or you might prefer to make pretty graphics. You have to do what you're most comfortable doing and what you enjoy the most. So there's words, there's image, there's video, there's audio, there's networking, there's speaking. There's so many different ways that you can put your message out there. Um, she talks about how often you should contact your audience. And that is a really, really important point that I've heard more than one mentor say. And of course, it's going to make complete sense once I share it with you. But it's so obvious, sometimes you can overlook it. There's still people who only contact you when you launch, when they launch. That is not the right approach to have. You should be contacting people on a consistent basis so that when you launch, it's just part and parcel of, of your usual communication. So her suggestion, and I really like that. I hadn't seen it, um, spelled it out um, like this anywhere else before I read the book. She says, you should have a daily presence, presence on social media. So one post, if you make only one post per day. A weekly deeply, um, deeper share. So maybe like a weekly video or live stream, or etc. Or maybe that's going to be a longer post. Uh, a monthly training. And that's such a good idea as well. And a quarterly launch. This feels really balanced. But if you were at the very start and you feel this is too much, pace it out. Even if you can post only once a week on social media, it, what matters is that you're consistent, that you don't post one week and then you go silent for four weeks. Because then people, the reason consistency is so important, and she doesn't talk about that in her book, but I'm adding this to the mix, is that consistency makes people feel that you're reliable, that you're going to show up on a regular basis and that you're not just going to ghost them. So that's super important. Um, she gives what she calls bonus million dollar marketing tips. And she has a marketing degree. So that's quite interesting that she comes up with all this information. Don't reinvent the wheel. Not everything is your job. So narrow your scope and have a niche. And again, I could, uh, I have a, I used to do a whole uh, webinar on how to niche intuitively in my business intuition academy. Um, so this is, this is a big important part, but I'm not going to detail it here because it's, it's not, um, we're not doing an episode on niching. We're doing, uh, I'm doing, doing a big re book review, sorry. She also suggests to batch and schedule uh, some of your content. And I love um, the ways that she described it. So um, just please get the book. But she talks about only answering emails at a certain time of the day. Or if you do your hair and makeup, which I don't, uh, because I don't wear makeup in real life and I don't feel the need to make a difference when I'm on camera. But if you did, then it makes sense that you would do more than one video once you have your hair done and you look the way that you want. About creating graphics, if you create a template, then it's the right time to create multiple graphics because you're in the energy. Uh, and also, and that also makes sense, is to batch client time on certain days and not have your diary open um, every day. So she also talks about the fact that it's important to share, you know, the, the, the bad and embarrassing stuff with your clients because it makes them feel less alone. Um, and 
I do that to a certain extent. I think she does that. I think she explains that um, at one point she had a, a picture that she shared on her social media where she was, um, you know, doing her moustache or something like that. And people thought it was very funny, but it also made her relatable. But of course, the biggest is to make offers to make money, to understand why people buy, how to make a sale, um, and use money language in your marketing. This was the biggest aha moment in the entire book for me. And this is why it's always worth reading books about business. That's why I'm reviewing books every four weeks. It's because there's, if there's only one thing that you get from a book, then it's worth reading the entire book. And for me, I'll give you the example. She says, make, uh, use money language in your marketing. And I had never thought of doing that. And I was just, wow, this is so powerful. So I normally say that I help entrepreneur, entrepreneurs use their intuition to make smart decisions in your business to create success on their terms. But when she invited me to use money language in my marketing, I, I changed my tagline and say, I help people use their intuition so they can make more money, you know, by making smart decisions in their businesses. This is so much more powerful. Can you see that? Because people uh, will hire you for a number of different reasons. And I think she lists them at some point. Um, I don't want this episode to get too long, though. So um, let's just see. Oh yes, yeah, she 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 um she lists them here. I have them right on in front of me, so I can add that before I finish the episode. They want you to they want to buy they usually buy for emotional reasons. But in particular, they either hire you to make or save money, to look good or feel better, to find or maintain better relationships, including the love relationships, to protect themselves from harm or loss, to improve, upgrade, or transform their lives and to impress other people. So if you can tie in your marketing message to any of these, then you're more likely to be able to sell to people because your clients need to see the value in working with you. And this is where people put the value generally, okay? Right, um, a couple more very important tips that she gives make it easy for people to give you money this is so important and i overlooked that for so long so that means asking for money at the end of every blog or at least making an offer an offer can be something free as well because when you when you give something free but someone has to sign up for, with their emails their email is precious and it's valuable so that's the sort of exchange money that you get um Denise explained that she was following a comedian who had a blog and at the end of every single blog post, he pitched his book. And in the end, she bought it because it was there everywhere. So it does work. You have to be repetitive. You have to be brave enough to put that thing at the end of your article, at the end of your social media post, etc., etc. What do you offer when you're just starting out? This will be for you uh, listeners who are complete beginners in business. And she says that the cheapest way to go about is to offer your time because it's the quickest way to make money. You don't even need a sales page. You only need a link to be paid, okay? 
she then explains how to get people to commit, how to practice your closing um, technique. Um, she gives an example that I really liked uh, about a summer fair that she attends on a regular basis and where the most popular stand is a corn on the cob um, kind of snack. And sometimes in this uh, in this summer fair, there are huge queues. So in order for people not to move away because the queue is too long, what the owners do, they walk the length of the queue and they collect everyone's money in advance. So she gives these kind of examples that are genius on how to, um, you know, nurture your clients while they wait for you, how to give them something maybe like a tripwire, which is a very low ticket offer, um, maybe when they sign up for your newsletter. And, and they, she says, and this is the thing that also, um, this is the second most powerful thing I read in her book, is that even though there's that 1% rule, that only 1% of people will buy from you, of those 1%, let me just check the exact um, percentages, but it's something like 50 or 60% of these 1% will then buy something more expensive. Oh, sorry, it's 20%. So it's really, really worth having people buy that first little product because once someone has bought a small ticket offer from you, they're more likely to buy again from you, especially if they're happy with what they bought. Right. I hope that I have sold it to you, uh, this book. It's really fun to read. It's easy to read. She has tons of anecdotes um, and it's both entertaining and inspiring. So um, if you'd like to purchase a book, I'm sure you can find it anywhere uh, in online stores or even in, in your local bookshop. Um, but I will also uh, include in, uh, in, the, in the box, in, in the description box for this episode, um, the sign up link for my newsletter so that you can be informed when I launch my next product, which is going to be my Tarot for Business Um course in September. I will be doing a five-day challenge before that, so you'll be the first one to know. I also, I am actually offering at the moment a an amazing £100 discount on my um, one-hour sessions with my clients as a summer special, and there's only three spots available. So uh, please make sure you're signed up. If you're signed up, you will receive the offer. Uh, it is an incredible discount, and there's only three spots available. Right. Thank you so much for listening and I'll talk to you again next week. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Business Intuition Podcast. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe, give us a rating, and if you haven't done it yet, write a review so that more listeners can enjoy this podcast. Don't forget to join my free group on Facebook, Business Intuition for Female Entrepreneurs. And go on to my website to download my free workbook on the four steps to trust your intuition in business. My website is theintuitionrevolution.co.uk.